0: Log Talk Radio. I told you long ago on the road, I got what they waiting for, all around from nothing dog, gets your soul.
1: Well, happy Friday, everybody. We are here with another edition of the No Huddle Show with Mike and Sam. I'm actually getting ready to conference Sam in right now, so if you guys just bear with me. On... All right, we got Sam here on a Friday. We also are going to have a special guest host for the first segment here, Uh Andrea Louie will be joining us again to discuss a couple upcoming uh, uh, segments, uh, including uh, the NFL email scandal uh, and uh, who we should be targeting if we're going to start exposing people's emails. Uh, we got Sam on, or I know he was.
0: Hey, Mike, what's going on, man? How are you?
1: Hey, hey how are we doing, Sam?
0: You know, it's a rainy day in Detroit. We'll kind of
1: Yeah, yeah. Just all over the place this week, man. Boston, Detroit, this this kind of holding it down. You know, Jeff
0: said I had to had to give it a shot, you know? Yeah. Mr. World Traveler. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What we got going on, bro?
1: Man, you know, I was I was thinking about this, right? So we we have an email investigation. This the whole thing with John Grun started started because uh they wanted to investigate Daniel Snyder Daniel Snyder's under investigation for apparently running a environment, so they exposed emails to try to prove that Daniel Snyder is not, you know, he's, you know, not doing a very good job uh, with this. And uh, well, well, I mean, the, well, I mean, the
0: Redskins, well, uh, the previously known as Redskins, the Washington Football Team, they've been under a lot of scrutiny like the last couple of years from the way that they manage their um, player personnel to the way that they manage just you know people that work on the team it's it's a very toxic environment that they they're under a microscope right now they're they're being searched and and looked at from all different types of angles and different groups of people as well
1: yeah so gruden kind of got caught in a crossfire of all this his, with the emails uh, and some of the things that he said which you know I, i'm not going to defend him because You know, he he did say a couple derogatory – he said a lot of derogatory things. I think it has to be said that in in email, it's hard to take context through text, right? If if you send a text message or you shoot an email, it's hard to tell. And if John Gruden was talking to his friend, the way we talk to each other, Sam, when we're we're around each other, if someone were to record that conversation, people would probably – Oh, I'd
0: get in trouble, man. I'd be canceled. The minute that I say the first word.
1: Exactly. So if John Gruden thought he was just kind of going back and forth with one of his friends, again, I'm not condoning the things that he said, but it's far different to come out and say these things or say these things to players, which by my estimation, he never did. And, you know, they want to crucify him for the stuff he said about uh, Michael Sam. But I would like to point out Carl Nassib, who plays for the Raiders. Is the first openly
0: gay player to be on a roster, right?
1: Exactly. So you also have to mind, this was 10 years ago. This was 10 years ago. People change over time. Their
0: stances change. I just,
1: you know, I think it's...
0: I I, I got a question. At what point did we decide that it's cool to use work email? It's like one step away from downloading porn on your work laptop. Like, what was Gruden thinking when he sent those emails? That's like a digital receipt of all your wrongdoings.
1: I guess, but, you know, he wasn't working for the NFL at the time. He was in the broadcast booth for ESPN Monday Night Football. But don't you think, and and I know Shreya's going to weigh in on this topic too, don't you think, though, there's better people to be checking their email records than football executives and head coaches like, why are not we going after politicians' email records? I, I'm sure there's a bunch of dirty shit going on back and forth uh, between politicians, even like mayors, like low-level, low-level po- politicians. I'm not just talking about, like, senators and, and you know, congressmen. You know, I, you can't tell me that everything that they see and touch is a matter of national
0: security. I, I'm not buying it.
1: I mean, it could be.
0: No. Oh, I definitely don't think so. I absolutely don't think so. There's no way. There's no chance. There's no That's- chance.
1: But it has to do
0: with the government, and we all know that, you know, with the government, we really can't like go into people's emails. So, so do you, do you know who Kwame Kilpatrick is by any chance? Dr. No, I don't. So, so, Kwame Kilpatrick was was charged with embezzlement. Um, for this, he was the mayor of the city of Detroit for multiple terms, and he's serving a jail sentence, sentence right now. He got pardoned actually by President Trump. Um, they leaked all his emails, and they had nothing to do with the government or national security, or anything at all. He was embezzling money out of the pension funds of people that have worked for the city for over 100 years. Yeah.
1: Interesting. And there's, I'm sure there's more dirty stuff going on with all the politicians. Where's this money funneling? If they're coming up with these bills and policies, who is, it, who is it to benefit? Because we damn sure know it's not the American people. The neither side gives a rat ass about the american people democrat republican i don't care what side you lean towards none of your
0: politicians care about you okay but it's like you don't want people to go into your email I have nothing right, to we're, we're one step away from that pretty much by okay. by taking gruden's Sorry. emails and and ostracizing him for something Absolutely. he said 10 years not
1: ago asian singles coming to your email address <laughs>
0: because you know
1: they saw that you were with an Asian male, and they're like, "Oh, she might like these ads. Let's go ahead and pour those those over to her." Mm, uh, no. Is that all you got? <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is radio. We got to do a little entertaining. <laughs> Pick up the pace a little bit today. Um, no, I mean, but hey, here's the thing: Congress always involves itself in sporting mat matters too. You know, we sat there and saw Mark McGuire, Raphael Palmero sit in front of Congress on steroids. Was steroids in baseball really the most pressing matter to have a uh, – be put in front of the government? Was that was – that- Wait, wait. This is Supreme
0: Court. This is a Supreme Court judge that decreed that they were stealing and they were – not stealing, sorry. They were they were basically, uh, you know, robbing the, the American people of, like, a the national pastime because they were juiced up.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I asked you, though, was it necessary? Was that necessary? Oh, no, absolutely not.
0: Super necessary. No. no, no Jorge. Jorge, Jorge, come on in. <laughs> not super necessary.
1: Super necessary. No, the one? Congress looking to looking at baseball and steroids? I mean, just
0: so many other things going on. It's just like
1: a... Yeah, but the, so it was necessary for them to look at that? That was a, I mean, that was a big-time thing for them to... Like there, there wasn't other pressing matters in the country that we don't need to know about. Sure. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. That uh, pro pro government over here, Doctor Louis, is all all about the good old U.S. of A. and supporting the government no matter what they do. Uh, sucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord! I mean, I, I just you know I I think that some of the emails should be exposed. What was the whole thing uh, before about Hillary Clinton's emails that related to Benghazi and all of that?
0: Uh, Was it it Benghazi? Yep. 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 There was a whole scandal with, with um, basically the position and, and how they used their influence to, um, you know, uh, change the viewpoint on what, you know, the the normal public felt about a certain scenario. It's, it's re- it goes a lot deeper than just you know conspiracy theories and things like that. It, the the government really does influence what we think, what we eat, it, on a day to day basis. You know, they approve the marketing, the the um, FCC, the SEC, all these large governing groups of, of people are turn our mind and our eyes off of one thing and onto another thing.
1: Yeah. All right. Any any last thoughts, Dr. Louis, before you uh, head out for the segment? Awesome. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining us, <laughs>
0: Dr. Louis, with a really quick guest ap- appearance, huh? Nothing yeah. else to say?
1: With a very very short guest appearance. We'll we'll have her back on 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 another, All right. on another show.
0: How about we bring her back for the next chronic corner so we could talk about CBD and anti-inflammatories that's, and how they work that's, medically.
1: That's, that's a fantastic idea. And we're also right. we're going to bring her back to ask her uh, some other medicinal questions as they as they come up throughout the uh, series here. Um, um, so, yeah, uh, I had a thriller. The Dodgers kind of won in controversial fashion, uh, winning on a walk-off check swing. Uh, I don't know if you watched the game, if you stayed up late enough. Was it
0: really a check swing, man?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was close. It was a very, very... Yeah, that's the real
0: question. Was it really a check swing?
1: I mean, either way, the way Scherzer was pitching,
0: but I
1: I don't know, man. Man, Now, the ALCS started today, game one, Boston versus Houston. I hope those cheaters from Houston don't get a chance to go to the World Series. Um, But... You know, I I have a – my gut, I have a bad feeling that we're going to get Astros, Dodgers, World Series, and I just – I don't want to see it again. Uh, what are you thinking, Sam?
0: I think we, we touched on it last time, right? So, I, I yeah. think, you know, we are, I am kind of tired. It's like almost like the 80s era of basketball and, like, the 90s era of basketball as well where the Bulls dominated. Unless you're a Bulls fan, you hated seeing the Bulls in the finals, you know? Um you know, in the in the 80s, it was either Celtics fans or or, or Lakers fans that were celebrating, and if they, the other team won, everyone was hating them. But they hated seeing the same premier matchup showing up. So like, Houston's been around and been in contention for a couple of years now. You know, there I would say, outside of cheating, their franchise has a little bit of a dynasty thing going. You know,
1: oh, um, for
0: sure. Yeah, so, so with that said, yeah, I mean, it's cool to have, uh, you know, like the Patriots go to the you know, playoffs 20 years in a row, whatever the hell record they had, right? But I don't want to see the, the, the Astros anymore. I don't. They're cheaters. Yeah. I don't want to see them anymore. Let's get a new team in there, please. The so love of God.
1: Boston's been in the World Series a lot, too. So, we're, I mean, American League style, you're not really going to get anything new. Boston has been a staple in the World Series for the last 15 years. Uh, on, over in the National League, Atlanta was a staple in the World Series throughout the '90s, right? Like they. Dominated. Right. Right. But it, it's been a while since they've been. So I, I don't. I think the World Series I would like to see most is Boston versus Atlanta. But I don't think that's what we're gonna get.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, I'm hopeful for something a little different um, this time around. Uh, again. I and mean, Boston's got a; it's a storied franchise, right? So it has a lot of history. It has yeah. a couple of rings to go along with it, right? So I think it's a good; it, it would be a good matchup. Why don't you? You don't think Atlanta has a shot, huh?
1: I don't because they're they're injured, man. You know,
0: um, and you would. You said I think you touched on it last show. You said it would have been completely different had they were missing yeah. Acuna. If, if
1: they weren't missing mm-hmm. Ronald Acuna, okay. Yeah. Um, if they didn't have um, I believe one of their pitchers, uh, Mike Soraka, he tore his Achilles, okay. So he's out until at least July of next year, okay. Uh, Ronald Acuna tore his A C L very early in the season, so he'll be back at the beginning of next year. Uh they're they're without um uh one of their um <clears throat> whatchamacallit, um I'm sorry, my drawing a blank here, relief pitcher, sorry, Tucker Davidson. Um so, if they, if they had Soraka, who is one of their better pitchers on the staff, and they had Acunye, I would like the Braves' chances a lot more to get past the Dodgers. Uh, they still got Freddie Freeman, Ozzie Albies. Uh, they, they still got talent there, which is why they made it to the NLCS and which is why they were able to kind of weather the storm of the injuries uh, and make the playoffs. But man, this is, this is a different Atlanta team if they got Soraka and Acuna. And
0: um, do you th- do you think that the Braves are like an upcoming like young talented group of, of uh, players, or do you like, think that they they're a couple of additions away from, um, you know, possibly a World Series berth in like a couple I think years?
1: No, I think they're a, uh, a World Series berth next year if they stay healthy um cool you look at look at max freed who's one of their aces um you know he's a young guy he was born in 1994 so that puts him at i don't know what age that is but he's like 26 years old um they got uh uh travis denard um they have Ozzie Albies, who was born in 1997, Freddie Freeman, who's a young guy, Austin Riley, who was born in ninety seven. Dansby Swanson, who was born in 94. Uh you know, Christian Pass, who's a really good young player, born in ninety eight. So, so
0: since since uh, baseball – I'm sorry to cut you off, Mike. Uh, Mike. I wanted to ask you a quick question because, uh, you know, again, baseball is your forte, right? So I've always heard about how great the Yankees' like farming farm system is, right? Where they are able to grow their younger players that they pluck off of wherever they pick them out of, you know, in the world. Um, are the Braves kind of in the same boat? Like, who has the best development le- development system right now in MLB?
1: Well, one, you got to go Dodgers. Okay, uh, the Dodgers
0: have. There were so many
1: players that they that are that were part of that World Series team. Um, that were homegrown pretty much through their farm system. And they might have acquired guys in trade, but they still came up through the Dodgers farm system, right? Like, so you had Max Muncy, and and you had, you know, Corey Seager, and, and then you had um, Jock Peterson, who's been traded. But the, they, they, the Dodgers had a ton of young talent bursting, ready to get to the majors. Uh, the Yankees' farm system has not been good for a very long time.
0: Um, well, they traded away some prospects because they picked up some big names right over the years. But, like, Gliber Torres was part of that group that he's playing now, right? Right.
1: Right now I'd have to give uh, Tampa Bay
0: the best farm system for
1: development. Tampa Bay is a very small market. Uh, They have a payroll of roughly around $40 million, yet they won the American League East, which features the Yankees and the Red Sox in it.
0: How much less is their payroll compared to, like, the Red Sox? Probably about $150 million less. Holy
1: cow. Um, You have guys like, so – Wander Franco, uh, Lewis Petino and Shane McClanahan, uh, were all in the preseason before this season started top one hundred of the majors. They all graduated to the active roster at some point this year. Uh, but they still got guys like Taj Bradley, Tommy Romero, who's an excellent shortstop prospect. Um, Curtis Mead, uh, who's a potential uh you know, all star if he if he continues developing. And then you look at all the other players that the Rays have brought up, the Blake Snells and, and countless others, and the Rays have really made it their thing. You know, uh, Evan Longoria at one point was in the Rays' farm system. Then he became a stalwart on that team for, for years until he got traded away to the Giants. This, I mean, the Rays, in my opinion, the Tampa Bay Rays probably have, the of the last, seven to ten years, the Rays probably have the best farm system in development because that is the only way Tampa stays competitive is their really good players
0: come up to the active roster and they stay there. And then they lose them once they can't pay them, right?
1: Exactly. Then they lose them, and then they just seem to have guys that are ready to step up and take their spot. I mean, it wasn't that long ago uh, that they were in the World Series. And then um, it's just it's amazing to me. It is absolutely amazing to me. It's like they go through a little bit of a wall, and then they come back. Now, mind you, they were a terrible team for the longest time. in their When they first started, their first season in baseball was 1998. From 1998 to 2007, they averaged 63 wins.
0: 63 wins. I mean, okay. consider, considering they came in 98, that's a pretty high ranking to give them, right, with – In such a short existence to have such a good development system in place, um, it's pretty good, you know?
1: Right. So, listen, here, in 2008, which
0: was just their 10th year in existence,
1: they lost in the World Series.
0: Right, I remember that.
1: Evan Longoria... Then they they had a couple good years there. They they went eighty four. They won eighty four games. They went eighty four and seventy eight the following year. Then the next year they won ninety six games but lost to the Rangers in the division series. In two thousand eleven, they also lost to the Rangers in the division
0: series. And then in 2012 – is this is this um the Rangers that had like Pudge and, uh, and some firepower? The
1: Rangers that went to back to back World Series.
0: The okay. ones with Josh Hamilton and Adrian Beltray.
1: And Cole, I believe, I don't know, not Cole Hamels, but there were some other good players on there I can't remember. But then you see in 2013, they they um, they lost in uh, the Divisional Series to the Red Sox again. Then they had a bit of a lull. That's when that's after, I think, Joe Madden left. They lost guys like Will Myers. They lost guys like uh, Evan Longoria. And so that core from 2008 to 2013 that won a lot of games, they were gone. So then they hit a couple rebuilding years uh, while their minor league players got better. And from 2014 to 2017, they averaged about 78 wins, which was okay, but not good enough to get to the playoffs. And now they're on another stretch, starting in 2019 or starting in 2018 when they won 90 games. 2019 they won 96 games and lost in the uh, ALDS. Then last year they lost in the World Series to the Dodgers, and then this year they also lost in the ALDS. So they're on this kind of trajectory now where the core, they'll probably be good for the next two or three years, and then people will leave again. They'll have to develop new talent. They'll probably take two or three years off from being a competitive team, and then they'll be right back into competing for the World Series. So, you know, to me, the Rays are definitely, as far as producing talent, uh, the best team in baseball
0: for that well, there, there you go, folks. Our, our baseball experts' uh, best takes on 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 the MLB scenario right now.
1: So wait a minute. If I'm the baseball expert and the boxing expert and the college
0: football expert,
1: what? So what? Are you the expert in all things marijuana then, and all things? No,
0: no, no. I'm the jack of all trades and master of none.
1: Oh, okay. I don't know about all that. I, you know, I I'll give you fantasy football over me.
0: See, so I'll give you the master of fantasy football. Over
1: here. Um,
0: but oh, I look at a, this guy. So so gracious of you to give me
1: that. So gracious, I know. I mean, I just, you know, I wanted to give you, you know. just. Give you, you
0: just stuff. can't stop giving, can it? it? That's what it is. I
1: can't, I can't stop, man. <laughs> but speaking of things that we're both mutually into, okay, movies. We are both movie aficionados, I would say.
0: Yeah, I would say so.
1: So we got Halloween coming up. So, we always see the the horror movies coming around this time of year. They start in October. Um, So, I wanted to ask you, of the big-time horror movie franchises, and I apologize, callers, if I didn't
0: include one of your favorite horror movie franchises in this. um, And, and, you know, if you feel bad about it, just call in and let them know that. Don't worry about it. Call call in, let them know how much you hate it and or hate his picks, and we'll be good.
1: So horror movie franchises. I wanted to
0: say, somebody get your opinion which one do you think is the
1: best. We have Scream, which they have a new Scream dropping next year, Scream Five. The Halloween franchise, the Freddy Krueger franchise. So that's Nightmare on Elm Street, and that includes a crossover with Freddy vs Jason, Jason Voorhees. So the Friday the Thirteenth franchise,
0: or Chuck, which is cosplay. Play. So, a lot of heavy hitters, though, right? I mean, our generation of horror flicks are pretty much encompassed in that list you just gave us. Um, dude, man, I, I really, uh, growing up, I thought Freddy was fucking shit in my pants, scary. So,
1: um,
0: it's only because the guy shows up in your dreams. Like, how do you escape him? How do you escape right. Freddy? How? So, uh, I mean... Freddie's up there for me, but I also like the Chucky um, franchise as well. I think it's kind of like stupid or funny, but um, yeah, it's interesting. I would have to still go with Freddie, though, if, if it was my choice.
1: Freddie's very good. I'm a Michael Myers guy, okay? I, I actually was wanted to watch Halloween Kills uh, just released. I was going to start it because I watched the one from either last year or two years ago when they brought back Jamie Lee Curtis, and that was amazing, okay? Rob Zombie did some things for the movie that were pretty good. The first one was actually really good that Rob Zombie did, but the second one was not very good. You had a couple of terrible Halloween spin-offs after the first one, like Halloween H20 and Halloween 4, Season of the Witch, or whatever. But the the latest Halloween – the one they just did and now this new one Halloween kills, man, it is, those are intense and they're terrifying because you see this giant man
0: in a terrifying
1: mask. He's strong. And it's, it's, I feel like Michael Myers is like if Julius Peppers went insane and decided to start killing people.
0: That's a pretty good uh, comparison. (laughs) Um, But, Here's my take on it. So Michael Myers is still human, though, at the end of the day, right?
1: Kind of. I've seen him get shot in the chest, burned alive, and he still keeps coming after
0: you. I mean, so you have to take into account, like, natural, supernatural type of, you know, phenomenon, because I would say Leatherface is just as scary if you look at, like, his character, you know, Texas Chainsaw, you know, he, he has the same build, the same terrifying antics the 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 crazy methods to kill you know um he has all those uh, i i the only reason why i thought michael myers was still like it, it's definitely scary for sure uh, don't get you know don't get it uh twisted it's scary for for certain people but like i always thought because michael was human like at some point they would find a way to 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 off him you know whereas when you have the supernatural uh entities you have like you got to figure out a really clever way to kill Freddy because he pops up wherever he feels like it, or like, um, uh, you know, Chucky, even for that matter. Like, how do you oh, get rid of? I feel
1: like I could just throw Chucky in like a trash compactor. You would
0: think that. You would think that. That's what they thought too. That's what every single person thought when they tried to get rid of Chucky. But he doesn't get. He doesn't go that easily. That's the problem. <laughs>
1: Uh, you know, so it's it's funny, we're talking about uh, our last show, or maybe it was the show or two ago, we talked about cancel culture, and we talked about uh, everything, and so for the new Halloween Kills movie, okay, um, somebody signed a petition that they didn't like, there's a scene uh, in the first, like, 20 minutes of the movie where Michael Myers is on Burning House, which is, uh, they pick up the latest halloween kills movie from where the last one left off and firefighters are responding to the fire and it just so happens to be that michael myers is in the house still and he kills all 11 of the firefighters which i saw that scene uh because i started the movie today uh spoiler alert but here's the thing you had a bunch of firefighters with those super high powered hoses, which he, which Michael Myers just walked through, which would never happen. But <laughs> two, you have I mean, so much
0: pressure that it could break your skin. But yeah, it's Michael Myers, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's Michael Myers. He just kind of walks through it like he's getting squirted with a super soaker. Um, but so then you have eleven firefighters.
0: One of them has like a saw, like you know, to you know, saw right to, to, to cut through wood, wooden. Yeah, uh, you know things that have fallen down to get people yeah. uh, out of rumble, uh, like all kinds of stuff that have broken down in the house. Right, like a and, mini and power and saw, it, right, or something like that.
1: Yeah, and they, and then they all have axes and with like pickaxes, all of them, right, to to cut to, to you know break down doors, whatever. And then they all decide to just one on one go after Michael Myers. I'm sorry, but if I see a six foot six man with a white mask walking out of a burning building. And there's 11... Like,
0: completely unscathed, by the way. A burning building.
1: Yeah, exactly. unscathed, Unscathed and just walking like he has murderous intentions. I'm sorry. I'm not coming at you one-on-one. I'm like, all right, guys. Let's get him. I so gotta go. Of us are gonna charge you with our pickaxes, and there's no way this motherfucker is getting out of here alive. And I'm sorry for swearing. It's a PG-13 show, and I dropped the MF bomb. I apologize. But I'm very passionate about this. Why do these guys just go one-on-one after him? And then they just start dying and it's like, okay, let's regroup guys. Let's get, let's get the hell out of here. Let's get on our fire truck and and blow town. I I just, I don't, I didn't understand that part of the movie, but I digress. Anyway, so there's a petition signed by somebody who apparently is a burgeoning firefighter. His parents were firefighters. And he didn't like the fact that firefighters were killed in this scene. And he said he was deeply offended by the scene because firefighters risk their lives every day. And things like this have happened before where people set a fire to get firefighters there at the scene and then murder them. And here's the thing. Michael Myers kills everybody. He kills black people. He kills babysitters. He kills cheerleaders. He, kills he doesn't young- discriminate. He's just a killer. He's just a killer. So if my if my mom babysat when she was younger, should I be offended by the fact that he kills babysitters?
0: I mean, yeah. Yeah. at some point...
1: Uh has to fucking grow their dick Dude, back.
0: I'm telling I'm telling you right now that's you should that should just be collateral damage. Look, art, movie, movies, theater, shows, whatever the hell you want to call podcast, all this, all of this it's meant to offend, dude, because everything that one person feels is not what the next person feels, right? So you're always going to offend somebody. Now if you sit there and start making lists of offensive actions and words and uh, uh you know uh, you know plots for for movies if you sit there and do all that you might as well just cancel all of art you know just get rid of all of it there's no point sure. in showing anybody anything because they're going to have something to say about it everyone has something to fucking say everybody
1: all the time every single time
0: you know what 10 years from now michael myers is going to have like a gay husband and he's going to end up like making tea and and crumpets for for the, for people instead of killing them
1: yeah, I can't wait for that day. That'll be that'll be that's gonna be a block. Day. That'll be the most scary Michael Myers movie ever. If he's sitting there, <laughs> that's him, actually scary. to
0: think that I'm <laughs>
1: that,
0: I'm thinking I'm thinking Michael Myers is gonna crack open that teapot over my head and like impale my throat with it. Or that's not gonna happen. He's just, just gonna stupid. serve you, you tea you in stone.
1: You know, you better not make fun of his crumpets. You know, say they're too flaky because he might take that knife of that butter knife and but split your throat with it.
0: Yeah, you have to sit there for a while because it's a butter knife at the
1: end of the day, right? Yeah, Very good point.
0: <laughs> Maybe just shove it right through your eye. Yeah. Oh, man. Cancel culture is taking over, man. It's taking completely over. It's taking over our uh, our world, our the art around us, the shows, the comics, anything you can possibly think of. It's growing into a force that where every small group or large group of individ- individuals feel like you know they have the ability to change everything and there's no there's nothing wrong in ha- in feeling that way but change for you that that may be good may not be change for the next person you can't impede on someone's happiness in any any sort of shape any sort of you know form so uh, it's going to keep invading our world as long as we live now
1: so you know the Lakers uh, there's a lot of people who are high up on the Lakers going into this season, mainly uh, Kendrick Perkins,
0: who believes that this Lakers team... 70 to 70 win uh, Lakers, right? Yeah, 70
1: win Lakers. Uh, now, it's the preseason, so I don't put a lot of stock in this, but they are winless preseason so far. Uh, Westbrook is a turnover
0: machine on the preseason so far. I believe he's averaging... Rondo has played better than Westbrook. He's had a higher plus-minus on-court than Westbrook has. And I believe Westbrook is almost averaging eight turnovers a night so far. <laughs> he, he's, this, I think he's averaging he's averaging more turnovers than assists at this yeah. point.
1: But th- isn't this Westbrook's M.O.? Like, even when he was – Yeah, at-
0: you mean, you mean um, uh, get the ball in bounds, dribble across half court, and then just chuck up a three with 22 seconds on the shot clock?
1: that and then just turnovers right like he i mean he averages a career for a career he averages
0: 4.1 turnovers that's absolutely disgusting as a point guard if you can't control and you know what i want, while you're uh, while we're talking about this I'll, I'll talk a little bit about westbrook give me chris Pauls career numbers on turnovers, and I'm, we're going to see the difference between a true point guard and, and someone who's a glorified point guard, in my opinion, a shooting guard. I was
1: just looking up, Chris Paul averages 2.4 turnovers. And he's played
0: how much longer? Like seven years longer than this guy has. Yeah. That's absolutely was- insane. So, that, so that's what a point guard, and if you look at John Stockton's numbers, that's going to be even wilder. If you look up yeah. Stockton's career numbers, that's going, that's the number I want to see.
1: John Stockton. I could probably even pull up, like, uh, Gary Payton, too. But John yeah, you, here, for his career, John Stockton was 2.8 turnovers. My God. Now, My God. Now, i tell you this, though. Near the end of his career, he was around at 2.2. I mean, early in his career – uh, especially, uh, like, his, like, fourth and fifth year in, he was doing, like, 3.8, 3.5, 3.6 turnovers.
0: He got better with the ball. But when... so hold on, hold on. It, 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 to, to his defense, right, the years he had, 3.5, 3.6, he was – I'll take the three turnovers a game. He's dishing out 13 assists, 12 assists a game, steals a game. I'll definitely take the three turnovers. If it comes with two steals, 10 points, and 12 assists, Absolutely.
1: What do you think Michael Jordan's career turnover average was?
0: High threes, two point seven. Oh, not bad, not bad. LeBron Considering the usage, how much he had the ball in his hands, he had a lot more, uh, you know, uh, moments to to have turnovers than anybody else.
1: LeBron is at three point five.
0: Yeah, okay, that's fine. I mean, good. It's still not bad, not bad, considering the guy Lebron on any given day can still give you ten assists a game, right? right. So I'll take so that. But but see, Westbrook will give you thirty percent shooting, twenty two percent shooting from the three point line, going freaking six of ten from the you know uh, on free throws. Um, he he and he's gonna throw in like six turnovers with that. Come on, uh, that's that's too much. It's too much.
1: So the year he averaged a triple double okay? The first year he did it, okay? He shot
0: 42%
1: from the field, 34% from three-point range, and he averaged 10 rebounds, 10.3 assists, 25 points a game, and he averaged 5.4
0: turnovers. That's disgusting, man. Yes, I understand what he's giving to the whole team, a triple-double every night is a big deal. And I guarantee you they lost some of those games because he had eight turnovers, nine turnovers himself.
1: It's why it is exactly why Durant didn't want to play with him anymore.
0: He's just just sloppy, I guess. I I don't know. I don't know what he thinks, who he thinks he is, but those days are are gone, man. I'm sorry. You, You can't just charge down the court and do whatever you feel like doing because there are other players that are depending on you to do a certain thing, right? Yeah. And
1: I I don't know, though. He doesn't
0: – this Lakers team is not
1: a LeBron – it's not suited to LeBron's strengths. LeBron is a guy that can get to the basket, so you don't want to have a bunch of big guys clogging the middle, but you need to surround him with shooters so you can drive and dish. They don't have a single damn shooter on this team.
0: Is, 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 I, they have a few. They have a few. They, they got a couple. Let's not let's not completely take away from Lakers, right? They have, they have Wayne Ellington. They have Malik Monk. They have um, a couple of good spot up three point shooters. Carmelo Anthony's been great the last couple of years on kick and drives.
1: And I, I bet you Carmelo Anthony doesn't shoot three
0: very well anymore. Oh yeah, he does, bro. He shot thirty eight percent last last year. He, shot, he shoots really well on catch and shoot threes. That's the um, one thing Melo has owned like the last. Since he joined Portland, I'd say, even right before Portland, I'd say, I'd say that one year he spent on OKC, that was the year that started it. He did. He does very well on catch and shoot three.
1: Okay, fine. Because I'll give you that. He was 38% from Portland in 1920,
0: and then in 2021 last year, he was 40% from three last yeah. year. Yeah, he, he's 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 a good, a very good compliment to give LeBron. But that, I can see your point, though. You're You're still, you don't have enough shooters because, even if you have your Monk, you have your um, Anthony, you have uh, Ellington, uh, even with these guys, first of all, they're not all going to be playing at the same time, number one. And, and number two, um, LeBron, you know, can only, he's going to have to pick his favorites, and then there's going to be a time where defenses are going to start collapsing, right? And that 30, 38% uh, Carmelo, 40% Carmelo three-pointer is going to drop to 35, 34 on, on higher volume. Yeah. It's bound to happen. It's bound to happen this year. So I can see they do have a problem with shooters. I they were better off last year, I think. You know, they had K. Uh, well, KCP Wes West Matthews, mm-hmm. Kuzma. Yeah, they were all g- above thirty-five, thirty-six. You know, percent uh, three-point shooters, and they were they were good. They were good in, in the roles that they were playing. I think Talon Horton Tucker might be actually pretty uh, decent too in shooting three. Um, so, who knows? It's still up in the air. I, I still don't think LeBron um, and Westbrook and AD, I don't think the three of them have enough shooters around them. But yeah. that's just me, you know?
1: Yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm curious to see how it plays out, but I definitely don't think they're winning the championship this year because it, without even
0: without Kyrie Irving, I
1: still think the Brooklyn Nets are going to be tough to get rid of. Oh,
0: I don't even want to talk about that. That's just effing disgusting, man. Like, the guy is willing to not only forfeit his salary, but like literally he's taking away from the game. He's taking away from the fans that are showing up to watch him and K D and Harden play together. He cannot play a home game. If Brooklyn sees L A in the finals, I said it before, Kyrie will not be able to play the entire finals because between East and West it's gonna be the whole four, it's gonna be home games in LA and home games in Brooklyn. There's no chance. And if, if he gets vaccinated at that point, that's just fucking selfish, man. I'm yeah. sorry. That is absolutely selfish at that point to say that I will do literally whatever I feel like doing. And I read this article that Josiah had a conversation with him in California two days before he made he had his little press conference and said what he was going to do. And Josiah made it completely clear to him that he has to get vaccinated. Yeah. That's not going to work. Right. So the Nets – the Nets came out the following day and they're like, all right, well, let's just, we're going to keep moving. They did it very professionally. They did everything politically correct. Um, even KD and Harden, what they're saying about uh, Kyrie is, it's like PC, very PC. Like, you know, yeah, you know, I respect him for his decision and all that, but like we have a job to do and there's still two other leaders on the team. And yeah, that's, that's all fine and dandy, but you're taking away a big piece of, you know, what makes the Nets the Nets, right? Yeah. For sure. Oh. I'm sorry on my Kyrie Irving rant because the last two shows I've been telling how – I've been telling you and and, and the listeners that I'm completely against the way that he's going about it, you know. Yeah. If you don't want to get vaccinated, you shouldn't play the whole season, to be frank with you, until there's new rules and and more research, as you claim that you need, right? You and and, um, Cardi B and everybody in the whole world needs – more research right so sit out man don't get paid you 33 million dollars sit out the whole year don't don't be selfish and say all right well I still want to make a paycheck let me play the away games because I know I can't play at home and I can't play any Lakers games either or Clippers games for that matter because it's this or Sacramento for that matter so there's three teams right in California I can't play any any one of them I can't play the Knicks you know in New York yeah, I'll take just those handful of games because I want a game check. That's very selfish, man. Well, he's a selfish
1: dude. I'm not a big Kyrie fan. I don't even care how good he is, and I, you know what, I think he's a bum.
0: He's a bum. What's that here? Yeah, I know, I know, I know how you feel about like, Kyrie man. I do. <laughs> he's a fraud. Anyways.
1: Uh... We are starting to get out and running out of time, and we haven't even covered the NFL this week, which is our bread and butter, man. Fantasy football. Let's man.
0: go, Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette came through in spades last night for me. Two 100. touchdowns, 120 all-purpose yards. Let's go.
1: Uh, so I'm looking at this slate of games, man, and I'll be honest with you, this week for the NFL doesn't have that marquee game, and a lot of it is because of injuries, I believe. But I'm sitting here looking at some of these matchups, and I'm like, I think the most intriguing game is Arizona-Cleveland, to be honest with and you.
0: That's no, and that, that's no more, because I just got an update saying that Cliff Kingsbury will not be coaching um, against the, the, the Browns this weekend because he's COVID. He tested positive for COVID.
1: So, um, one thing I'm surprised by, because I'm sorry, there is one other game that's very intriguing. It's the Chargers and the Ravens. Um, oh, that's time. gonna be a uh,
0: that's gonna be a blockbuster game. I love that matchup. I absolutely love Herbert and and Jackson going head to head. I love that matchup. I do too. But
1: why haven't they moved Pittsburgh and Seattle out of the flat? Why didn't they flex them out of Sunday night and put Arizona, Cleveland, or Los
0: Angeles, Baltimore in the Sunday night? I, I know, I know. They need enough. I don't know. Uh, they, when they move stuff around, I always wondered why they didn't do something like that and they left like dud matchups. Um, yeah. You know. if there was like a season ending injury for a quarterback or a star player, all of a sudden the team looks like crap and you have like a, you know, your marquee matchup then looks like, you know, like it's completely useless. I I looked it up at one point and I think the NFL needs like 72 hours to be able to manage the travel time that it takes the other teams and where they're going to be playing and the timing and all that. It's apparently a big algorithm and it's a big deal for them to move games. It us It seems like it's fairly simple, to just move one out of one slot into, into yeah. like practice times during the week for some certain teams as well.
1: I mean, the NFL has this policy that in weeks five, starting in week five through seventeen, the Sunday night games are open to be flexed out.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's starting week five, and we are hitting week five now, right?
1: We're in week six. Six, sorry. So if it was me, listen, listen, Seattle. I'm sorry, but. Who's going to turn in to see Geno Smith play old Ben Roethlisberger? Uh, wait,
0: I know the answer. I know the answer. Maybe like Tavon Austin or like some of the other bums that played with him in West Virginia. <laughs>
1: Stedman, Stedman Bailey?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stedman, oh, God. Poor guy, man. Actually, Stedman Bailey, I have a lot of respect for him because he went through a lot in his life. Okay. He had that uh, life, life-threatening life injury, right?
1: Stedman Bailey? Are we talking about Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, we are. Come on.
1: I I know who Stephen Bailey is, but I don't remember he was shot. I don't think he had an injury. I think he got shot. He was drafted, and he yeah, uh, he had, yeah, a he,
0: had a, he got shot in the head, bro. He
1: got a serious gunshot injury. Yeah, yeah,
0: oh, yeah he got shot in the head. Well, I mean, I said life threatening injury, right? Because he got shot in the head, bro.
1: Okay, well, I thought he, you know, I didn't, you know, all right, fine.
0: And he was in Florida. Actually, it was like a hit and run. <laughs> Yeah, like they was, just showed. They rolled up next to him and they unloaded.
1: Yeah, I don't know if they maybe they thought he was somebody else.
0: <sighs> shame, shame,
1: shame. But anyways, so you know we got a couple matchups that are God, the Nine? Who's going to tune in at nine thirty to watch the Dolphins and the Jaguars?
0: Uh, no, nobody, bro. Absolutely nobody will. They thought they thought that was going to be like a big tour. Trevor Lawrence matchup, and it's going to be like the up and coming, hopefully the 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 uh, exciting Jags, and against a revamped, you know, but the Dolphin squad, bro. It's trash,
1: in this week? trash,
0: complete trash. Well, two is
1: not back yet, is
0: he? Two is back this week, yeah. Okay, that's why I'm starting Jalen Waddle. Okay. I,
1: I just I thought the Dolphins were going to be a lot better this year, and they've kind of
0: disappointed, being one and four so far. Uh, out the gate. And and also, mind you, in a weak, very, very weak division, dude, the only team in that division that has any sustenance or any ability is the Bills squad, right? There's nobody else in that division. So, yeah, yeah, I expected more from the Dolphins this year as well. But um, I will say this, uh, it might be a little bit of a a fireworks, you know, because, you know, the Dolphins don't have Xavier Howard, and um, they're missing... uh, one other player, I believe, on defense. They're missing Parker as well on offense. Okay. And they don't have Fuller, but it, it, might be, it, oh. it might give Jacksonville a better shot at some, some aerial plays, right? Yeah, great, I, as, I,
1: as I no longer have LaVisca Chenault on my
0: team. Should have kept him, man. What happened? Why'd you get rid of him?
1: Dude, I only have five bench spots. And oh, I, yeah, that'll kill you, man. That'll
0: absolutely destroy you.
1: I dropped LaVisca Chenault because someone got impatient. They dropped Chase Claypool,
0: so I picked Claypool up instead of LaVisca. I mean, that's a better play anyways. I would take people over uh, yeah. Chenault as well. But um, I don't know. With Chart gone, it's supposed to be Chenault, Marvin Jones, um, and pretty much the James Robinson show. Yeah, I know. But that was how it was supposed to be last week too, and, and Chenault had one catch. Well, that was 58 yards, though. That was a pretty big – that was a bomb.
1: That was great. That was
0: still only six points in my league, so <laughs> – I mean, look, he he can't be a league winner for you the first week he's playing, right?
1: He, he's he been playing all season.
0: I mean, first time in a prominent role with Chark being gone.
1: He was still in a prominent role. He was a slot. Uh,
0: receiver. Not really. Yeah,
1: whatever. You
0: know, whatever. Anyways. All right. What um, other matchups have we got that's tasty this week?
1: So, we touched a bit on the Chargers and Ravens, and I want to go back to that. But I'm kind of intrigued by this Dallas Cowboys-England game at 425 on Sunday. Uh, I'm really curious to see what Bill Belichick designs uh, for Dak Prescott, Uh, and I'm curious to see what Mac Jones can do uh, against Dallas' defense, which is
0: very much improved this year. A Uh, lot, bro. It's gotten a lot better. So very surprisingly.
1: Dallas looks like a competent Super Bowl team this year.
0: And the fact that they put up that many points against Tampa Bay like week one, week one. shows that they can shoot out if they had to, right? They have right. Cooper, they have Lamb, they have, um, you know, uh, obviously Zeke, they have Tony Pollard, who's pretty much a slot receiver. Um, you know, they have a, a lot of firepower on, on the offensive side, right? They ha- they still have a strong O-line, which gives them, a, you know, any it, it gives them a shot against any team in the NFL, really, if they get into a shootout.
1: When they played Tampa Bay, they were still at their old tricks. They only ran Zeke eleven times. Yeah, yeah. They did not. They didn't play Dallas Cowboy ball. We, they didn't play. We, no, yeah. and they played. Played. And Dak Prescott threw the ball fifty-eight times that game for four hundred and three yards and three touchdowns. Amari Cooper had thirteen catches for one hundred and thirty-nine yards and two touchdowns. Ceedee Lamb had seven catches for one hundred and four and a touchdown, and then. And I feel like after that game, they stopped playing that brand of football because against the Chargers, they won 20-17. to 17. Dak only threw the ball 27 times, and they ran the ball 31 times that game for almost 200 yards. That's, that was game two. And then you look at the Cowboys uh, against Philly uh, when they won 41-21. to 21. Dak Prescott threw the ball 26 times, and they ran the ball 41 times. 41 times. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, you know, most recently here against uh, – even against the Panthers, which was a close game, uh, Dak Prescott only threw 22 passes. He was 14-22, and they ran the ball 34 times that game. So outside of week one, when Prescott threw the ball 58 times, he hasn't gone ab- above 28 passes in a single game all right, until recently against the Giants where he, was 20, he threw 32 passes. He was 22 of 32. But the Dallas still ran the ball 39 times that game for 200 yards.
0: So, so, so what, what I kind of saw, see just really quick from just the stats you provided me is that if it gets into a defensive game, Dallas has a game plan. If it goes into a shootout, Dallas has a game plan. So, yeah, I would say they're very well suited to, to shootouts, could do well.
1: Dallas can't
0: do shootouts because they
1: lost to Tampa Bay in the only really shootout that they had. So, no, but
0: Tampa Bay had had far better of a game plan. They had a far better, you know. Come on, you, you can't compare uh, Bruce Arians and, and, and Mike fucking McCarthy. You know, so I I, I don't want to say I don't want to say that's like that should they should be kind of. Um, Viewed as the, as their shootout game, that's the highest point total probably they have for the season or close to it. But that's not, I mean, Tampa Bay is a different team to shoot out with. I would say like they're better to they're better suited to shoot out with like Kansas City because Kansas City defense is terrible, terrible.
1: I mean, granted, Dallas did take the lead with a minute twenty four to go, and then of Tom Brady a minute twenty four to go on the uh, down, you know, to to drive down the field. But here's the biggest thing, is Dallas, I think now, with the run game, is if Dak Prescott doesn't throw the ball 58 times a game, they're a better team. They're a better team when Dak doesn't have to throw the ball 58 times a game, and it's not because Dak can't do it. But, man, if they they shorten the game by running the football, they only ran the ball 18 times that game against Tampa Bay. So I'm very – curious to see if they match up with Tampa Bay again in the playoffs, what they will do. But Dallas is such a much better team when they can rely on the play action, they can they have receivers that can get deep, and then they can throw... I mean, hell, if they run the ball 30 times a game. If you're giving Zeke 18 carries, then you give Tony Pollard another 10, and then you give, like, Dak Prescott a couple carries. Bam, you're at 30 carries right there. I, I think Dallas has found The formula to win, and that is, uh, and we discussed it a while ago: jump out to a lead if they can, and then run the ball and
0: shorten the game. Yeah, I would say that their game is predicated on like clock management, right? Like that's that really decides what type of game plan Dallas kind kind of will go with, right? So if, if they need to just chew the clock, they have. Um, you know Pollard and Zeke between the both of them, they'll be able to pick up a, 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 a first down when really needed, right? Absolutely,
1: absolutely. Um, the I want to go back now to this Chargers and Ravens game because I think I think this is the best game on the docket. It's a it's a one o'clock game. This is by far the best game on the slate on Sunday. The Chargers. I think um, they're on the road against the Ravens. Ravens with a dramatic comeback against the Colts on Monday night. The Chargers have a very good defense, but I feel like Lamar Jackson the past couple of weeks has evolved, and he is now more of a passer. Are you
0: saying that because you have him on your fantasy roster?
1: I'm not. I'm saying it because of what I've watched. Early in the season, Baltimore tried to be Baltimore. They tried to do short passes with Lamar Jackson. They tried to be predicated off the running game. They tried to really um, be the old Baltimore offense, and they weren't having a lot of success. And they were struggling to score points. They would have these long walls wouldn't score any points at all. And I feel like in that Monday night game, what we saw in the second half from Lamar Jackson the Colts had no answer for him out of the shotgun. They had no answer for him. This man had 110 yards passing at the half, and he finished with 442.
0: They had. And see, here's the, here's the thing. Again, I'm going to interrupt you and tell you one thing. You know this because you watch college football. You watched Lamar throw in college, right? Yeah. He didn't throw. He wasn't a bad passer. He was not a bad pocket passer when he college when he played. Is
1: so much different? because
0: I agree. I agree.
1: The way the defenses read, the way you, you, you get these quick looks where they're looking over to the side, you get the play call, and they have these special cards over on the sideline. And, it's a, and, and just the way the college game is, a lot of quarterbacks can look fantastic throwing the ball at the college level. It doesn't always translate to the NFL. But Lamar Jackson, he went on. Listen, they were down at the halftime. They started the third quarter. Baltimore scored a touchdown. It was sixteen to three. And then, then, then they punted. Baltimore. I'm sorry, uh, Indianapolis scored a touchdown. It was sixteen to three. Baltimore punted. It was twenty-two to three. Then after that, from that point on, Baltimore scored touchdowns on their next four possessions, including overtime. And, 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 let's not forget they were all, all passing touchdowns. They were all passing touchdowns, and there was no answer for Lamar Jackson. None. They, the Colts could do nothing to stop it. This, and watching this game was like, you could see Indianapolis getting tense because they had no answer. And I, that's what I'm curious. Is Baltimore going to stick with what we've seen because we saw – uh, him throw for 447, okay, uh, or 443 against the Colts. And against the Broncos, he actually topped 300 yards passing. He went for 316, which was a uh, was the career high, until he went for 443. So what we're seeing in the last couple of weeks, he has been throwing the ball more, and Baltimore has been better. They've been scoring more points. They've been a
0: better team. Will
1: Baltimore stick with that against the Chargers?
0: So I think that they'll realize at some point. So, so real quick, I know we're running out of time, but really quick analysis: Baltimore is great on the line. They're great at linebacker. They're terrible at, in, in their secondary. Um, so this was a what perfect game.
1: Drop you for one second. Yes. Their secondary. Let me sure. interrupt, interject real quick.
0: I apologize. Yes,
1: their secondary in general is terrible but against the deep pass against the bomb they're still a top 10 pass defense against uh passing plays over 25 or I'm sorry uh yeah over 25 yards they give up a lot of yards in the intermediate passing game they they'll they'll give up 9 here, 11 here 12 here but getting uh deep against them has been a challenge and I think we're going to see a big day from Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler along with Jared Cook. But anyways, go on with what you were saying about the Ravens.
0: No, no, no. So, so what I'm saying is that the, 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 it, it, the game with the Colts was a perfect game for Lamar to break out and showcase his, his passing skills, you know? Um, yeah. And, and I, I think moving forward, especially with this Chargers game, if it turns out to a shootout, um, the Chargers secondary is really good, man. The Chargers secondary, Durbin James flies all over the field. Um, Their secondary is good. So Lamar will not have um, as much success with the Chargers as he did with the Colts. But I see that, you know, Harbaugh, he's, he's a smart smart coach. So the, he'll go with the hot hand. If, it, yeah. if it's passing, he'll run it. If it's the run game, he'll run that as well. But it's hard with Bosa. You know, it's hard on that Chargers D-line too.
1: Yeah, the Chargers got a very good defense. I'm curious. I think Herbert's going to have a massive game, probably 350-plus yards plus multiple touchdowns. But that's the game to watch on Sunday. That is all the time we have, folks. So we're going to let Harlem Heat take us out. It's been a great Friday night show. I uh, hope you uh, had fun listening with us, and we'll see you again on Monday.
0: All right. Okay.
1: <sighs>